Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Thank you, David, very much. The reason this um, uh, music stand is so high is because of my eyesight. Um, Kind of like the older you get, the more difficult it is to see your notes. So that's probably the main reason. Um, I'll just talk a little bit longer so that you can get uh, used to my accent, um, because I do come from London in the UK. Actually, Prince Harry just lives a few blocks away from me, so actually you all know what he sounds like, and so he sounds very much like me. Um, It is a joy for us to be uh, here with you over this weekend. We've got a conference coming up next week, which we're really looking forward to being a part of as well. And many, many people from my world are so grateful for you and for all that God is doing amongst you as a community here and across the United States. Um, And it is, you're absolutely right, we're a family and we don't get to see one another as much as we perhaps uh, want to. Uh, It's just the way life is. I personally, I'm so grateful to be part of a, of a global family of churches because I'm provoked constantly to lift my head from where I live and see the big picture of what God is doing around the world. And we're so enriched to be part of an international family of, uh, of churches where people are going through all sorts of different, different things in different parts of the world. And it just kind of reminds you of the amazing things that God is doing, not just where you live, but where other people live um, as well. Um, The question I'd like to start off with this morning is, um, if you are a Christian here today and you know that God has broken into your life, my question is, why are you still here? Now, you might think that's a strange question, but I think it's very valid. Wouldn't it be wonderful if on the day that you became a Christian, suddenly you were transported from where you are into God's presence. And actually, in a way, that does kind of happen because when you are born again, it's like being born from above. It's like something of eternity comes into your life. And because something of eternity comes into your life, it kind of disrupts things. You kind of feel that you don't fit in this temporal world anymore. Something inside of you is pulling you inevitably to want to desire to be with God. But we're still here. We're still on earth. It's like the Apostle Paul often says, I I long to be with the Lord, but I guess maybe I'll stick around. I mean, that's how close he is to not wanting to be here anymore and And yet he says, if I do stick around, maybe there'll be some more fruit that will come out of my life and God will bless that fruit. And I think as Christians, you kind of realise that. There's a longing for eternity and there's something inside us that would rather be there than here. This is not our home. We're just passing through. The Bible says that we are wasting away and, uh, and, and that's because... There's a new body in in heaven that's being reserved for you. How many of you would love to have a new body right now this morning? 
And people under the age of 40 didn't put their hands up when I asked that question. <laughs> Let me just tell you that, that in a few years' time, you will be putting your hand up. Because it, it, it kind of shows us that we're not meant to stay here forever. There, there is something, and yet we're here. That's why I'm asking the question. We haven't gone yet. What's the reason? Why are Christians here? Why do we kind of even exist here? And then when you think about the church, the church, the corporate body of Christ, it's kind of like we're here too, but the Bible calls us the bride of Christ. And obviously we're not going to marry Jesus here on earth We're going to marry him and be with him in eternity. So the Bible talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb, where the bride and the bridegroom will be together. So the church is a corporate family of people who together as a church, we're kind of very much aware that we are made now for eternity. Did you know the two things, the only two things on earth that are going to live through into eternity is what God has placed in you, your body will fade away, but what God's put in you goes into eternity. And the only other thing is the church. That's why the church is a really good thing to invest in, by the way. Everything else is temporal, it's going to fade away, but the church is eternal. And you know, we, we may not be very, doing very well sometimes, but we are, we are going to be in eternity forever. So why is the church still here if everything is about being married to Christ in the future? In fact, statistically, when you talk to people as to why they do not become Christians or believe in God, there's several answers. Why does God allow suffering is one of them, for example. Another one is, I don't believe in God because of the church. I mean, that's a bit sobering, isn't it? Well, what do you mean? Well, I see the church and I see all the mistakes and I see the disunity. And if God is real, then why is the church like it is? And there's some truth in it because in reality, we are not perfect. Jubilee is a fantastic church, but it's not a perfect church. You're in it. (laughs) And it's kind of no reason to leave this church and go and join another church because you think they're more perfect because the moment you join them, you know what happens. So, <laughs> and so you think, well, if the church is one of the main blockages for people coming to know the Lord, then why doesn't the Lord just move the church out of the way? It's kind of like, is, is, is there a plan B? The truth is the church will never be perfect, but the church is here for a reason. There's a reason you are still here as a Christian. And there is a reason why the church is not only here, but is playing around the world an absolutely key role. So I think the answer to these questions is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And if you have a Bible, you might like to look at it. The words will come behind. And I'm going to talk about treasure in jars of clay. And Paul says this in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 4, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. 
So these, these verses say a lot of things. We've only got time to kind of touch on them today. But look at verse 7. But we have this treasure. And so one of the reasons that you have not yet left this planet is because God has put treasure in you and that treasure is not meant to be hidden but meant to be seen. So what is this treasure? Well, the treasure is the gospel. The treasure is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ who has come to dwell within you The the treasure is that you are on this planet and you know that even though you may have messed up your life, God has forgiven you and given you a new start. There are thousands of people in St. Louis that have no idea that that is possible. You are carrying a treasure in you that is beyond people's wildest dreams. But it's in you. The treasure is you know that your sins are forgiven. The treasure is what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. The treasure is that not only are your sins forgiven, but they've been eradicated. As far as the East is from the West, if you confess your sins, it's as if you've never sinned. Because that's, that's what the cleansing blood of Jesus that we were singing about in our worship has the power to do. That's the treasure within you. The treasure also is when you celebrate Easter in a few weeks' time, that Jesus not only died on the cross, but He also raised, was raised from the dead. The treasure in you is that the risen Lord Jesus has come to dwell in your life. The treasure is you don't deserve any of that to happen in your life. The treasure is the grace of God that has been imparted to you and to me. We are men and women of grace. We did not save ourselves. When we were dead in our trespasses and sins, the Bible says God... He who loved us made us alive in Christ. You didn't even do that part, but somehow the treasure is in you. The treasure is that you are now a child of the living God. Uh, You're not about to become one day a child of God. The moment you were born again, you are a child of God. The The treasure is that you are now a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has come, the new has, has, the old has gone, the new has come. It's a new beginning for you. The treasure is you have purpose in life. You have meaning in, is this America I'm in? You're really quiet. I thought I was back in London just for a few moments there. I am in the United States, okay? So let me just keep going until I get a bit of response. We are talking about truths that are so incredible that we who did not deserve these things. The treasure is the love of God has been shed abroad in your hearts. The treasure is you woke up this morning and you knew that you were loved by God because new every morning is the love of God. The treasure is, the treasure in you is that there's a whole world out there who are desperately searching for peace in their life. Jesus said, peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. The treasure is, His peace is in you right now. The treasure is the guarantee of eternal life is already known to you. When Christians die, 
that is not the beginning of eternity. Eternity begins for us the moment we are born again. Because we're not wondering whether or not we'll go to be with him after we die. So the world doesn't know what's going to happen when they die. They're frightened of death. They don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know. If you've got the treasure of God in you, you already know these things are true. So this is the treasure. And here's the deal. Everybody on this planet is looking for what's inside of you. Really, they may try to find it in entertainment and in finances and possessions and all kinds of things that they want to delve into. But the reality is this hidden treasure is actually in ordinary people like you and me. It's in us. Why are we still here? Why is the church still here? Because God wants through you and me this treasure to be seen so that other people around us can come and can experience this treasure for themselves as well. And so we go on in this verse. This is so important. Please, if you're going to zone out, you can do that in 10 minutes time, but not right now. (laughs) Verse seven, we have this treasure in jars of clay. What's that about? Jars of clay. So this treasure is in you and it needs to be seen. How will that happen? The answer is in this verse because the treasure that's been placed into you, the description of you is a jar of clay. Now there are jars around the world that look beautiful and people have spent years creating the external picture of that jar. You think of Ming jars from China, for example, they look so amazing. You don't want to break one of them. And one of the reasons is because they now are so beautiful that people will will spend millions of dollars just to purchase one of those, those beautiful jars. The Apostle Paul is not talking about one of those. He is talking about jars of clay that are just very, very ordinary. If you go to the Middle East today and you walk down a dusty track, you'll probably come to a market. And in the market, I tell you, there will be row after row after row of jars of clay. And they're not impressive. They're useful. There's something you need to do with them. But they all look pretty much the same. Some are tall, some are small, some are wide, some are narrow. And a lot of them get chipped and a lot of them look very fragile and very vulnerable. That's what you are. God has put his treasure, not in something that looks incredibly impressive, but something that's very ordinary, something that's, that's, that's not impressive. And jars of clay are ordinary, weak, fragile, vulnerable, unimpressive. It's not you that is attractive. It's what's in you that is attractive. It's what's in you that is going to make the difference and makes the jar of clay so precious. If you're still with me, verse seven, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. Next phrase, to show. To show what? To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So this is absolutely crucial for us as Christians to understand 
why we're still here. And, and, and every day of our lives till the very end breath of our life, there's a reason why we're here. There's a part that we have to play. And it's to show that this treasure's not from us. This is not what we have done. It's what God has done alone. There is no room, therefore, for boasting. There's no room for trying to improve the jar. And Christians today can be very, very besotted with how we come across, the impression that we're giving to people, what we look like, what our performance is like, whether or not we've, really, we've reached celebrity status. It's kind of like so that people are impressed by me, people impressed by my ministry, people impressed by what I am able to do and accomplished so that I start to boast in what's in me. And I travel around a lot and I meet lots of Christians who are trying to self-improve. If only I could be like her, if only we could be like that couple, if only we could be more and more impressive, then, then, then maybe God's grace will be more abundantly shown to us. And maybe the world will be so impressed by what we can do that they'll be convinced about the God's purposes. All of these things can be happening as much as we're able to do. Has it ever occurred to you that the more you improve the jar of clay, the less likely it is that people will see the treasure that is in you? And maybe, just maybe, this is the wisdom of God today. There's a reason that we're just jars of clay. The reason that we're weak and that we are ordinary is that because of that, the treasure in us will be seen. So the opposite of what we've been saying is it's not about me trying to just improve this. I can actually be getting in the way of the treasure. (laughs) They don't need me and my ministry and my performance. In my weakness and my frailty, on the other hand, in my ordinariness, there maybe people will start to see through me, through you, wow, there's a treasure that I can have as well. Seeing the treasure is more likely to happen through our weakness and vulnerability than being impressive. Which leads to another, a, a couple of other, uh, you know, kind of verses of scripture, one of which is in 1 Corinthians um, and chapter 1. And this is kind of like drives the point home, I think, uh, more and more. I have a new Bible, which I bought just, and and when it's new, you just can't (laughs) open the pages. But we get there eventually. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. There's a reason that God specialises in foolish people. Because when people meet us, they'll go, wow, there's something really amazing about you. God shows what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God shows what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. Look, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. 
And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You think, well, I'm weak. Absolutely. You think, well, I'm not very, I'm not impressed. Exactly. God's chosen you so that through you, the manifest power and wisdom and treasure of God might be seen by those who are around. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul declares in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he's kind of going through a difficult time and he's more than aware he's not handling things really well. In fact, he's begging God. He's got this weakness. He's got this sickness maybe. We don't know what, exactly what it is. And he's saying, God, I want you to take this. Please take this. Please take this. And, and, and God doesn't do this. He, he pleads with the Lord to take it away. And he comes to the conclusion, this is 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, but Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. Whoa, hang on a minute. I'm kind of at the place where I'm, I'm going to admit I'm a bit weak, but I'm not sure I'm boasting about them. How are you doing? You know, I, I, someone needs to write a song in worship, you know, about being perfected in weakness. I boast in my weakness. It wouldn't go down very well, would it really? Why does he boast in more, more gladly of my weakness? So that, this is what we're talking about this morning, so that, the power of Christ might rest upon me. For the sake of Christ then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, the context for him saying this, if you read the couple of chapters beforehand, uh, chapters 10 and 11 of 2 Corinthians, was there arose a, a, a whole crowd of people who, who were kind of boasting in what they could do. They were impressive people. Paul calls them super apostles. He's kind of having a bit of a joke. Or false apostles or false prophets. And these people moved in signs and wonders and these people preached with great authority and these preached were, people were pretty impressive. So much so, they were drawing people away from Paul who fathered these churches and they thought, well, Paul's not impressive, so therefore we'll kind of go with these people. So Paul's aware of this and, and, and you think, come on, Paul, just defend yourself. You've moved in more signs and wonders than these people. You've planted more churches than these people. You're a pretty impressive guy. Come on, you've, you've written half the Bible. Come on, tell them. <laughs> You're the kind of guy we want to follow and not these guys. And Paul, Paul is at that point wants to show how do I prove to people that I am the real deal and I'm authentic? And he does the very thing that the super apostles would never admit to. He says, I am weak. And when I am weak, then I am strong. And when I'm weak, the power of God is manifest through me. In other words, Paul is saying, if you want to know the real deal, it's through my weakness. It's through my ordinariness. It's through how God has made me and wants to use me. I'm the real deal, not because I'm impressive, but because I'm a jar of clay. 
and because the treasure of God is within me. And that is what gives us the authenticity. Final thing is just to go back to 2 Corinthians and chapter 4. We've read a couple of verses, but I just want to go back to verse 8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested through our bodies. See, one of the reasons Christians are still here is that we go through the same things that people around us go through. And the reason is that they might look at how you live life and how you handle things and you go through and that they might see a difference in the way that they handle things themselves. So Christians get afflicted and Christians get perplexed and Christians get persecuted and Christians get struck down. Why? Why do we go through exactly the same thing as everybody else does? Because when we do, there's the opportunity that the treasure within us will be seen. So people say, I've noticed that you have gone through what we have gone through. I have noticed that when COVID hit us in St. Louis, Christians were not exempt. They went through it all as well. And just maybe people see things in us in the way we respond to things happening in this world that are different. And I say, there's something about you. What is it that makes you different? Now, when you answer that question, you do not answer, well, I'm glad you've noticed. Because I am a really special person. And the reason I've been able to do the... See, the motion you do that, you are boasting. And, and, and you're saying, I've, no, no, you're going to answer, well, do you know what? If you've noticed something in me that's different, if you've noticed something in Jubilee as a church that is different, it is not because of me. But I do know God. And I do know his grace and he's broken into my life. And I think that may be the thing that you are observing and that you are seeing. And I just want to say something else to you. If God can come into my life, which I don't deserve, he can certainly come into your life as well. So I have friends in the world who are wonderful Christians who are being afflicted in every way. But notice what this is what makes us different from the world in which we live. We're afflicted in the same way everybody else is, but we are not crushed. Why? Because even in the midst of affliction, I don't want to minimize this because there are people here today who are going through genuine big time affliction, okay? But you are not crushed because you still have hope. The world is afflicted and gets crushed because they have no hope. They don't understand. But as Christians, this is what's on display. This is the treasure now on display that even when we are afflicted, we're never crushed. Look at the next verse, perplexed, but not driven to despair. We live in a world of huge perplexity where people all around us, people you know in your family, friends, work colleagues, university, Neighbours going through 
times of tremendous perplexing you know, challenges. Did you know Christians get perplexed too? You need to know that. I spoke to a lady once at the end of a meeting. She said, can you pray for me? I am perplexed. And I said, this is good news because Paul was perplexed too. In fact, I'm perplexed that you are perplexed <laughs> because I don't know how to pray for you. Christians get perplexed. One day we won't be perplexed because we'll know everything. But on this planet, we go through huge... Why do we go through times of perplexity? Because the world is going through it as well. But a treasure can be seen that even though we are perplexed, we're not driven to despair. Hallelujah. When you're perplexed in the world, you don't know Jesus and you may be here today and you're not a Christian, you're thinking, I go through lots of perplexity. I need not to be like this. One of the wonderful things about being a Christian is you never, it never leads to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. You know, I think of friends around the world who are in persecution right now. Some are known to me personally. They're in countries where you're not allowed to meet as Christians. Forget buildings and everything else. It's just not allowed. I know countries that even banned online church when they started to persecute Christians. They realised that Christians couldn't meet in buildings during COVID, so they banned online church. You're not even allowed to do that persecuted, being taken to prison, some losing their lives. It's happening in the world. Did you know that the greatest persecution against Christians that's ever been on this planet is happening right now in 2024? You need to wake up and realise we are very privileged. We live in the world like this. All my friends who are persecuted for their faith, for believing in Jesus, this is what they would say, but we never feel forsaken. Persecuted, but not. What do you mean never feel? Do you know what? Under persecution, we feel and sense the presence of Jesus said, I will be with you always. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. What a treasure that is. And they experience it more and more, even in times of persecution. You know, I, I think in the Western world, there is a different kind of persecution that's probably about to hit us more and more than we realise. We are out of step with culture. We believe things that that world around us does not want us to believe. The temperature's rising all the time for us. I, I'm praying there'll come a moment where to be a Christian, even in the Western world, means to be a Christian. It's not a churchgoer who occasionally pops into a meeting, but the full deal, followers of Jesus, because when the persecution comes, you're never going to survive unless you're fully in. And it's probably knocking on the door more than we would even realise. But when we are persecuted, we need to understand that we will never sense that we have been forsaken. The presence of God amongst us will just rise and rise and rise during times of persecution. It makes you wonder whether persecution may not be a bad thing. Do you know all the people I know that are under persecution in their churches, in their nations are healthier than a lot of us, are growing at a pace that's way beyond us and are making a massive impact upon people who don't know Jesus. Then the final thing, it says struck down, but not destroyed. Even if you as a Christian, this jar of clay with treasure in you gets struck down, like <clears throat> you're never ever destroyed 
because the only time you're destroyed is when God says so. And that'll be the last day of your life when life itself will come to an end. Why do we go through all these things so that the treasure within us will be seen? So that, as it says in verse 10, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, every time we die to ourselves, we've been crucified with Christ, decide not to live for ourselves, but to live for him. Every time we do that, the life of Jesus is then manifest through us. Our jar of clay, the treasure pumps and people begin to see it as it really is. And let me close with this, because we've talked a lot about us as individuals. But we are the church. Jubilee is a local church. We are the body of Christ. This treasure corporately is manifest through us as God's people as well. A corporate display. So what is the local church? It's a whole load of pots. Did you know that? We are... (laughs) We're just a collection of jars of clay, but we come together in Christ as one people and the treasure corporately, not just individually, begins to be manifest. We are a family. We are a community in a society where the world is increasingly being broken down. The church is coming together. We're a people of diversity. Bible says every tribe, every tongue, Every nation will be around the throne of God, which is wonderful. That's where we're going. But you know, I think God's purpose is to manifest that now on earth. And in a world of tribalism, everything is splitting up. Isn't it wonderful to be in a church where the blood of Jesus brings us together as one people? Old people, young people, single, married, black and white, tons of languages. We live in London. Our church has just gone through the most massive transformation in terms of the multitudes of nations and people that are there. And I look around sometimes and think, only on, only through the church will this actually ever be manifest. And if you're living in society and you think humanity's falling apart, we can't trust the politicians and, and, and we just don't think we've got the answer to the issues of life that we're facing and you come across a community of people who love one another and care for one another and are compassionate and are trying to accept people as they are, that is so attractive because you realise that the answer is in the church that Jesus is building So Jubilee is a corporate church. Can I just encourage you? Yes, we exist to disciple one another and help one another to grow in our faith. But primarily we exist to be a display for the thousands of people in St. Louis that have no idea who Jesus is. And actually Jesus spoke about you a lot as a corporate people. Did you know that? He said things like, you are the salt of the earth. You know, if the church wasn't existing, what would happen? You're the light of the world. We live in a lot of darkness. The church is here to manifest. Even says we are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And the thing that cannot be hidden is the treasure that God has placed within us. Would you like to stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, so much that you have not asked us 
in our own strength or through our own performance to somehow impress the world around us. In fact, I think this morning there may be some very tired and exhausted Christians here today because you've been trying really, really hard to make it happen and make it work. There's absolutely a place in the Christian world for endurance, for persevering, but it's not so that we will become impressive. It's that the manifest presence of God will be known and seen through our lives. So we'd just like to lift your hands to the Lord. I'd like to ask the Holy Spirit just to come and just sow a seed in our hearts today. You don't have to do this. It's not a pressure thing. If you, you can just watch. But if you know as a Christian, you identify with your ordinary weakness. You identify today with the fact that it's because of our frailty and our vulnerability and our weakness that the treasure that God has placed in us is manifest. We are so grateful, Lord, for the treasure. Thank you, I am not an empty vessel. Thank you that I am filled with the treasure that you promised to give me. I am a recipient and I don't deserve any of it. And neither do any of the people around me deserve it either. But maybe through me, and my frailty and my ordinariness, people will begin to see the treasure that they are seeking. I pray for Jubilee as a church to be a community of ordinary people going through ordinary life, going through battles and difficulties and ups and downs like everyone else, but understanding that as we do so, wow, there's something attractive amongst us. And it's not the great leadership that makes it work or the great facilities. It's Jesus, you that are building your church and the treasure that that is amongst us becoming seen more and more. So right now, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Just minister to people around this room. Lift condemnation. Lift the sense of despair. Lift any sense of... of but I've got to perform and make us to realise, Lord, that somehow in Your grace and Your mercy, the love of Jesus, the power of the risen Jesus who lives in us will be more and more seen by a world seeking treasure that You have placed within us. Touch people today. Remind people of things. Minister to people. Convince people. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen.